What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, and welcome to the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 148. I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me on, you know, one of the more, I don't know, trying, stressful weeks in recent history. Um, it's not just kind of what has sparked riots across this country and kind of ignited the country, but we're still also dealing with a pandemic massive job loss and you know there's just a lot of things that are going on in the world today and i appreciate every single one of you all for taking the hour or so out of your time and rocking with me man and as we kind of try to navigate through all this together this week i'm joined by special guest ashley baker the host of the about nothing but sports podcast we're going to talk about dak prescott should the cowboys bring him back or not and this new ideas floating around the nba in terms of restarting their season so much to get to with pretty much so much time really because i took last week off and that's kind of where we're going to start this week as you can imagine with our first topic this week first it was funny last week i didn't do a new show you know um there was a lot of things going on it's funny like this is with the uh the amy cooper situation with the um the park the central park and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. I mean, we still had Breonna Taylor in the news and Ahmaud Arbery. And it was just a lot of different stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to chill out this week. It's Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to decompress. I'm just going to relax. Um, and little did I know that this past week <laughs> would take everything up a notch. You understand? And one thing that I've realized about this show particularly as I took a, a kind of a week off last week is bro, man, this show for me is therapeutic. Like dead ass Joe, like, you know, I'm not making any money doing this pie. I like talking about sports. And since, you know, I've transitioned to doing news, you know, doing sports, I've realized how much I love sports. Like I always knew I did, but man, like I need that. Junk. And then last week, Watching everything kind of slowly build into where we are now, I was, I was thinking to myself, man, I wish I could talk. I wish I could, I could wish I could talk to, to to the mic and to to the show. But I wanted to keep some level of consistency, and I just basically kind of harnessed and just held and hoarded all of these ideas and thoughts that I had. And I realized, like, bro, I need this podcast for real, like, just to kind of communicate my thoughts. And I want to start there because no matter no matter what it is, for me, it's talking about sports. It's just getting in front of this microphone and talking to y'all. Maybe for you, it's reading or exercising. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's some type of the, some type of art. You know what I mean? Whether it's martial or whether it's visual or whether it's music. You understand? Like whatever it is that that gives you peace. Slum, protect that shit at all costs. Whatever it is that gives you peace, whatever it is that makes you safe, and I'm not talking about physically safe right now because so many people are trying to skew everything that's happening is, oh, they're coming for you. Oh, it's not safe for you. Oh, you need to do this, that, and the third. I'm talking about your mental peace, your emotional peace. Because like, like I was just saying, like, we are currently facing so many things at once. We are facing a pandemic 
in addition to massive job loss, an economy that people are questioning if it does rebound, if we are currently facing or not facing, but currently in a depression. We've already dealt with the Great Recession. We don't even know the depths of what we are facing now. You understand? And then, oh, faithful, you know, like we haven't seen the pandemic in a hundred years. You know, the recession comes and goes. Maybe this is the depression. We we finally been clear. Like we we got the green light. Yo, they're UFOs. Bama's are talking about parallel universes. We had the murder hornets. Bama's talking about their cannibal rats now. But the one thing, despite all of that, the one thing that you can set your clock to in this country, but throughout the world, for real, but we just talking about America right now. The one thing that you know that you can set your clock to, man, old faithful is racism. And ain't that a motherfucker, right? That throughout all of this, what shut everything down? You know, what put what put a, a pandemic that has killed over 100,000 Americans in two months? What put that to the back burner? Racism. You feel me? And there's just so many emotions, so many ideas, so many thoughts that are just running through my mind. And have been kind of fighting for like the forefront in my head throughout this entire week, throughout this entire historical week, really, man. Like, I I don't even know anymore, bro. Like, you know, in the history books, you remember certain riots. You remember certain uprisings, I should say, better yet. You remember some moments. Historians remember some moments. And these type of moments, if you will... They happen so regularly. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how is this going to be remembered? Because if you're not careful, man, it's nastiness everywhere. It's nastiness everywhere. Everywhere you turn. And it's crazy, bro. Without even knowing. On this podcast, I just try to, man, open myself up to you guys. And thank you, thankful that the people who come back and keep coming back. You know, maybe I'm hitting a nerve or striking a chord, or maybe you you just view things the way I do. And I appreciate you for that, for real, man. Thanks for rocking with me. But it's just odd, like, throughout the last few weeks, months, or whatever, on this show, we've been talking kind of about, like, yo, media manipulation. You understand? And then you watch and you read what's been going on, and little by little, you start picking apart and, like, oh, yeah, this is all nasty. How many times have we seen articles where it's like pepper spray is fired off in the eyes of peaceful protesters? No, no. Pepper spray didn't just unleash itself onto people. The police sprayed pepper spray in people's eyes. The police, right, attacked credentialed members of media when the cameras are rolling. They don't even care. We have now graduated to a point where it used to be just a handful of years ago. Oh, man, look, technology is now going to show the world. It's going to expose what people have been saying for decades now. These camera phones. Wow. And really, all that happened where many of these police officers just became more emboldened. 
They have camera crews rolling on them, arresting anchors, shooting, right? Rubber bullets at anchors and news crews, spraying pepper spray at news crews and innocent bystanders, tasing college students, ripping girls out of cars in front of the camera as if, who cares? Cleveland police telling the media outwardly, y'all not coming down here. You're not coming to downtown Cleveland. I don't care. And all of this is happening at once. And I swear to you, bro, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I don't know if it's because I'm a father. I don't know. I don't know what it is, bro. But like, none of this shit just feels right. You feel me? And I'm not, I'm not talking about like the obvious, of course, police brutality, you know what I mean? The death of George Floyd, like all of these things are wrong, but I, I, I find myself asking why this time, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it about this instant that made all of these brands, all of these sports leagues, all of these teams, college teams, all of these celebrities, all of these you know, well-intentioned white people just come out and be like, yo, this is wrong now. And and my and I want to lump everybody into that because I do think that the, for many people, for many white people, I do think that this is kind of like, oh, shit, wow. But for a lot of other entities, including the sports leagues and the brands and fucking Nike and Reebok and all this other shit, like, I'm just thinking to myself, man, y'all nasty. And it just, it's, I don't know, bro. It's just, I, I, I can't feel, I can't rock with it. It feels like it's just completely uh, hollow. I mean, they are. But again, I can't get past the, the point of being like, yo, why now? Right? Breonna Taylor's murderers are still walking free. Ahmaud Aubrey, we, we saw him die. And it took months before an arrest. Like the DA saw it, was just going to let that joint flow. And then somehow it leaked. And then we were like, yo, bro, it's just nasty to me to think that, yo, we have to, we have to, we have to see black people die. We have to see it to get any type of response. And even that is problematic to me, right? Because you have all of these people, man. Number one. I mean, it's, yo, y'all gonna have to forgive me, man. Because I may be rambling during this first quarter. And I'm trying to keep it all together and kind of navigate this to make it clear and concise. But forgive me if it gets it kind of jumbled, right? But for the people, for the media outlets who are f- placing more emphasis or even the equal em- amount of emphasis on the quote unquote I ain't going to do that on the the protests that stem to violence right the uprising as I want to call it if you are placing more emphasis or even equal emphasis on that and not to what actually caused the uprising fuck you I'm done with the pleasantries, bro. I'm so done with trying to meet people and understand all this dumb shit, man. 
I see people always talking about, man, you know, we have to have these uncomfortable conversations. Nah, fuck that. We don't. What what is what are we gonna talk about? Every time, Joe, every single time we've want we've wanted to have these conversations in the past, y'all bring up some dumb shit. Oh well, what about black on black violence? And here we go, still trying to motherfucker have an honest conversation. We go back and then bring you all of the information needed. Hey, black on black violence is just like any other racial, intra-racial, racial violence. The majority of violence committed upon anyone is going to be committed against people who look like them because people who look like one another live around one another. Now, why do we have such high black on black violence? And then we go to poverty ratios, right? Ratios. Then we go to uh, opportunity costs. We we want to we wanted to have those conversations, but y'all ain't want to hear us. Now y'all now y'all talking about peaceful protest. Why can't we do this peacefully? Motherfucker, three years ago, Cap started this shit, and y'all ain't want to talk none of y'all ain't even want to hear it. Y'all ain't want to hear none of it. Oh, he can't play anymore. Oh, he's past his prime. He was a gimmick quarterback. Oh, he can't get a job. Da, da, da. We lived that. Oh, he hates the country. He hates the troops. Y'all did everything in the world not to listen to us. Y'all bench yourselves so many different ways to not listen to us. So, yeah, I'm not trying to talk no more. I don't want to hear people say, man, we need to have these conversations. Fuck you. Like, we don't operate on when y'all are comfortable. And that's the biggest thing, the biggest thing that has come from this, man. Y'all comfort does not usurp my life. Your comfort does not take more importance than my daughter's life or any other person's life. Fuck your comfort, Joe, because your comfort, you will never be ready. You will never be ready. And you want to know what else I'm done with, Joe? These symbolic gestures. That's just cute for a movie. You understand? Y'all want to make fucking remember the Titans? Go at it. But I'm not for that shit. So when I see the police officers taking knees now, cool. Okay. Why Why were y'all motherfuckers so mad three years ago? What the fuck is taking a knee going to do for me now? What the fuck is taking a knee going to do for George Floyd? Huh? Breonna Taylor... Her, her killers are still, dog, you feel me? Like, her killers are still walking the streets. I don't want to fucking take a knee, like, I don't care. I don't need my police officers to hug me or to hold my hand. I don't need that shit. I need y'all motherfuckers to do y'all job, man. Stop killing people. Stop harassing people. That's another thing that is nasty. This whole thing is nasty, bro. Like, <laughs> we have gotten to a point. Well, not us. Not the black community. So we have to live it. You know? This is what we've lived, which has been passed on to what our parents had to live through. Which has been passed on to what our grandparents and great great You understand? This is our reality. But the idea that so many people see George Floyd and then, oh man, that's a tragedy. Yeah, that's a tragedy. But that's the, it literally cannot become more tragic. This is a spectrum. 
let's not lose sight of the people who are just harassed, who are just tased, who aren't doing anything, who are just, who just, who have guns pulled upon them because they didn't stop completely at a stop by, or they they didn't turn their indicators on at a turn. You understand, like. Police brutality, police harassment is not just them killing us. That's the worst. That's something that should not ever have had to have been debated. But y'all, but we as a society have been comfortable seeing black people die at the hands of the police. There's so many now. So many. But we forget about the police officers doing barrel rolls, throwing girls, black girls on the ground in bathing suits and pointing guns on them. We forget about the police officers in schools who are throwing children, picking up desks and throwing children out of the desk across the classroom. We are forgetting about the DOJ releasing, releasing a report on Ferguson saying that that entire police department is filled with racism. We focused on Mike Brown and God bless the dead, but we completely lost track of that. We completely lost track of the DOJ doing a report on Baltimore's police department saying how filled with racism they are and how black, the black community is ticketed higher than their white counterparts. How marijuana convictions, arrests are disproportionately targeted toward black people. There are black people currently doing time, federal time for marijuana. Well, you can go throughout the country and find new millionaires because they're, they're dispensary shops. Fuck you. It's not just about the deaths. The deaths should have been the one instance where people were like, okay, like, Dog, you don't even, you're not even a good person. Like that bar ain't even high. You can fucking skip over that bar to be like okay police officers are killing people who are unarmed that shit's fucked up you know like let's not fight on that lie but nah y'all fought for that y'all fought on that for years for years people saw tamir rice a little boy get shot at a park got murdered at a park by police officers before they parked the car. You feel me? And we're ready to debate. Fuck your debates. So I don't want to see police officers take knees. I don't want to see police officers holding hands and giving out hugs. Nah. Nah. I'm done with the pleasantries. You understand? I'm done with so much of this because now dog, I know what time it is. I've been knowing what time it is, but now I have a daughter and I have a little niece and that was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta check for them. And how do you, how do you teach? How do you prepare little children for the world? Yo, let me, let me, I'm just going to keep it funky again. Forgive me for rambling. You know, I'm already like 18 minutes into this joint, but you know, whatever. I remember, I mean, since I was a father, like since before, you know what I'm saying? Like when, when I knew I, my baby was coming, I was like, all right, man, you know, 
as as a father, like as a parent, like you you have to get your child ready for this. You know, you have to. You're not you because you would be failing as a father if you don't. You'd be failing as a parent, a black parent, if you are not getting your child ready for the world that they did not ask to come to. So, I mean, I remember when my baby was little, little, and I'm thinking, okay, when am I going to show her roots? When am I going to show her eyes on the prize? Now, a lot of y'all probably, you know, the, I, I would assume that the black listeners to the show have seen eyes on the prize in the past. You know, I'm not sure how many of the people who are non, but even other people of color, I don't know how many of non-black listeners have seen or non-black people, Americans have seen eyes on the prize, but. That shit fucked me up. You understand? I'm 37 years old, 6'4", you know, 250 some odd pound man, grown man. And I still remember, like, how just a visceral reaction I had watching Eyes on the Prize. A phenomenal documentary. Like, must-see television. Yeah, you know, I know I got to show my daughter it. But it fucked me up. And I saw that joint when I was in middle school. Now, my daughter... She's very, very sensitive. And I don't mean that in a, you know, in a passive aggressive way where, you know, people try to demean people. But like, oh, why, why are you so sensitive, Slim White? Not, not like that. Like my daughter understands her emotions very well. She has a very, very high EQ. You know what I mean? Understands it very well. And it's something that I admire about her. Because, like, for me, as I, as I grew up, like, you know, as a teenager growing up, man, like, I would have certain emotional reactions and stuff. And I was like... Now I'm cool, and then over time that becomes, you know, me developing into being something of a stoic, right? God bless, man. My daughter, she's not like that. She understands her emotions, she understands her feelings, and she can communicate them quite well. And I'm and I'm very impressed by that. But she feels, she really, really feels. So I knew, like, yo, I'm not gonna be able to show her eyes on the prize for a little, little bit later. But I was like, you know, when she was like, you know, two years ago or whatever, seven years old or something, I'm like, yo, we can watch 13th, the phenomenal documentary by Ava DuVernay. Because again, I wouldn't be doing my job as a father if I do not get her ready for this world. She has to know this. Like she can't, I, she can't afford not to. It's real. So we are watching this documentary and, you know, we get through the vast majority of it. We get to probably about like 80% of that joint. And like right as the Khalif Browder part is ending, it was like a levee broke, man. Like she, it was like she was just kind of, it was just too much. She had reached and surpassed her threshold and she just started bawling, crying, crying. And as a father, I'm looking at my daughter crying because I made her watch something. And I know I have to make her watch something that's even worse later. And I might have to keep on making her watch something to get her ready for this world. And that's a fucked up feeling. Like my daughter, my baby, my only child is crying. I'm I'm consoling her. She is, you know, legit. So seeing the world she lives in, like that's it. Just showing her how this world is. And I'm like, nah, baby, this, and I'm not telling her this. I'm thinking in my head, like, yo, she hadn't even, this is just the tip of the iceberg. She ain't even really seen it for real. And I'm like, 
in, in many instant in many ways stripping the innocence from my daughter because I have to prepare her for this. So while I'm having conversations with my nine-year-old daughter about what is happening this week, bro, you can understand. I hope you can understand why I don't give a fuck about what Nike has to say, what any of these organizations, corporations, teams, leagues, my favorite basketball team still ain't said shit. And people want to get and want to wonder why people are mad. Why can't we be peaceful? Fuck you. I'm looking at everybody like, yo, what are y'all talking about? I'm looking at Nike like, what are you talking about? Why? Why are you sending a, re a, a release now? Why wasn't it two years ago? or three years ago, or four years ago, or 10 years ago, why now? And why is everybody seemingly ready to speak now? Fuck y'all, where y'all been? You know, where y'all been? So nasty out here, Joe. And then the NFL has the audacity, <laughs> the audacity to come out, they motherfucking mouth and write something. And I'm just thinking to myself, and again, maybe it's just me going old, man. Maybe I'm just turning into skeptical, you know, the skeptical, ethical, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Like, maybe I'm just like, yo, I don't believe, I don't, I mean, conspiracy theorist, brother, right? Maybe that's me. But the audacity for the NFL to even type any, they should have just shut the fuck up and just try to ride this out. They stay off season. The NFL operates with one of the most powerful armies in this world. Because we as Americans, despite all of this, we can't shut off the NFL to save our fucking lives. I can't stand the NFL. And I'm going to talk about the NFL later in this motherfucking show. That's how wild it is. So they don't have to say anything. But they choose to, man. And I feel like they sunning us when they do that shit. Because we know what time it is with them. They have made that abundantly clear. When I saw the NFL have the audacity to, to, to release something, as they still are currently blackballing Colin Kaepernick, Nathan Peterman has a job. Huh? How? Ryan Fitzpatrick still has a job. Just go down the list of the quarterbacks. They were still trying to get Matt Schaub out there like last year. And now y'all want to be like, oh, let's do the peaceful thing. No, we had time for that. Y'all didn't want to hear us. It's wicked almost. It's sad. These protests did not start until, what was it, Tuesday when the DA, I forget, the Mike Freeman, I believe his name, right, in Minneapolis said that, you know what, they needed to wait a little bit longer to get more evidence before they arrested anyone. We had seen this shit. And they were like, nah, and we knew what time it was. Like, when you hear them say that shit, or even when they eventually did arrest the officer, it was like third degree, we know what this means. He ain't doing no real time. There were no protests. None. We had seen it. It had been viral, and I don't watch that shit no more. Real quick aside. After, again, the, the Tamir Rice death 
it, it, it like really, it changed something. It broke something in me, man. Like for real. And then seeing how people were still trying to, yeah, but that. Yeah, but a death of a child. So I don't watch any of them. I didn't see Ahmaud Arbery. I, I don't see any of them. After Tamir, I was done. So I still haven't seen it, but I, I saw people talk about it all the time, right? So it's clear as day. We've all, like, it's been seen however many millions of times now. And the DA comes out and is like, yeah, we still need more evidence. And then, then it's when motherfuckers started be like, no, fuck this. And they started lighting shit up. Now, how funny is it that only after that first night or first two nights of protest, then an arrest is made? Huh? Right? Don't talk about how you can't stand the protest and the riots or whatever, as I call it, an uprising. But then that's the only time y'all want to do shit. It don't work that way. The tweet went viral back uh, later on this week, talking about how after Dr. King, God bless the dead, after he was assassinated, there were 11 days of, of riots in the country. And then the Civil Rights Act of 1968, 1968 was passed. So don't talk to me about how violence isn't the answer when at every single turn in American history, the only time motherfuckers listen, the only time motherfuckers act is after violence. Stop with this bullshit like, oh man, violence ain't the answer. I wish it wasn't. I wish violence wasn't the answer. But show me when anything other than violence has answered a damn thing. One example, please. I'm, I'm, I swear, I'll be ready, listening, ready and able. And again, I'm not saying go outside and burn some shit. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear me. Don't, don't think that's what I'm saying at all. Hear me now. But I don't, if, if people feel upset to burn some shit up, ask yourself why. You understand? Because we weren't doing that shit. <laughs> we weren't. Didn't happen after Ahmaud Arbery. Didn't happen after Breonna Taylor. Look how many people have died just in just in 2020, unarmed, and we didn't do anything. We, dog, again. Well, like I said, with my daughter, there's a threshold. It's only but so much you can ask people to do and to withstand. Why you keep on shitting on them? And now y'all want to listen. Now y'all asking for peaceful protest. Now police officers take us a knee. Now Nike's writing a, a statement or Adidas, a complex and all these people. Matter of fact, all these NBA teams who conveniently don't have a lot of black people in their social media departments, but y'all want to talk about that. So it's cool. Now, conveniently, all of these entities and online brands, they want to release some shit. But isn't it funny? Throughout all of these statements, there only been a few a few brands to say these few words black police brutality look i stand with all my people of color i stand with everybody dog because i don't think this this should not just be a black white thing but it's been reduced to such because for for, for far too often excuse me the only people ready to fight for this have been black people while we've been the victims of this 
So we fighting the world on all sides, on all fronts. There are sometimes there are some events where people of color have to endure together. And I I applaud and I appreciate all the people of color who fought tirelessly alongside of black people for for decades. But when the president was making racist statements calling this the 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 China disease or the China virus People correctly said, yo, we need to cut that shit out because our Asian brothers and sisters are being targeted, right, with violence because of this. They didn't say people of color were being targeted because of this. There's sometimes where, yes, you can say people of color because we all are under the same umbrella. But there are other times where persons of color just doesn't cut it. When the president's talking about deportation and people are calling ICE, they're not calling ICE on me. So you saying persons of color, nah, call that shit, call a thing a thing. When people are targeting our Muslim brothers and sisters, duh, don't, don't, they ain't targeting me. And we are always ready to say Latino, Asian, at every turn, we do it. But for whatever reason, when it's a black person dying, so many people are just so scared to say black. Why? <laughs> we go through hoops to say any, all this other shit, right? We will, yo, you want to be religious, like whatever your, your, like, you don't want to be called fat. We don't call you fat. No, obese. You understand? We will call you whatever you want to be called, Joe. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. But for whatever reason, when it comes to the same black, oh, that's just too, ooh, that's too, that's too uneasy. Why? Why? <sighs> Again, that's been a week or so of thoughts and emotions. Just begging to come out and i hope it made sense again it was a bit of a ramble i try to be a little bit more concise I try to be a little bit more put together but man i just needed that joe because i'm keep on being i'm keep seeing these images of oh man let's let's hold hands and let's do kumbaya let's take a knee y'all motherfuckers didn't want to take a knee so now that we move past that don't ask us to do some shit that we was ready to do three four years ago and y'all keep doing the same thing to us. Stop that. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Not necessarily on what I had to say, but if that's what you want to do, feel free. But however you feel about, man, the, 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 what we are facing as a country right now, I definitely would love to hear from you. Email me at quarterly show, or excuse me, quarterly report. Email me at quarterly report at gmail.com, quarterlyreport at gmail.com, or tweet at me, quarterly show. And again, we spell quarterly here, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E. So again, two ways you can get in contact with me to kind of address how you feel about everything that's going on in our world right now. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at me at quarterly show. All right, so 
I had to get that off my chest. I was fired up, ready to go. You know, thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for listening. Again, the way this show was formatted, maybe you didn't want to hear a whole 30-minute quarter on what's happening in the world. So that's why we break down the show this way. If you don't, if this was too much for you, go ahead, skip right to the second quarter. But we about to hit the second quarter anyway. So, you know, thanks for rocking with me anyway. In the second quarter, we're going to talk up, we're going to get back into the sports world, into the sports field, and talk about how the NBA is planning to restart their season. It's our second topic this week. Second so quarter. the NBA at this point is pretty clear that they're coming back. In fact, it's pretty clear that sports in general will come back. Though the actions of the past few days, the past week, I'm not necessarily sure how wise of a decision that will be, right? But we will put that to the side for a moment. The NBA was, the NBA, I should say, in the NHL were the two major sports leagues in America who had their seasons completely stopped and halted, like halted. Baseball's start of the season was postponed, and now, if you're a fan of baseball, you have to wonder if their season will even have a start, not because of logistics surrounding COVID-19, but because of the power of the union and the greed of the owners. It's fascinating to watch as an observer of a sport in which I'm not a fan of. Like, if baseball were to restart, it wouldn't move me one way or the other. So I can, it's not even a removal of emotion for me because I I do not care. But seeing the, the manner in the, in the ways in which the ownership in baseball are just acting foul. And it's also interesting seeing certain members of the media who typically, who just a few months ago, were almost questioning the intellect of the NFL Players Association, basically saying, well, how could you not accept this deal? Basically trying to peer pressure the players into signing the deal in which they did now have this kind of full panoramic view of things when it applies to baseball players. But that's neither here nor there. My my point in saying all of this is to say that sports in America, it's not a question of if now, but how and when. Basketball, who kind of took an ownership position in America's response to COVID-19, considering how they shut their season down first, they are now, it seems, all in on bringing in teams to finish their season. But there is some type of, I don't know, debate, if it may not be the right word, but there is some back and forth on how they should. And what seemingly now is leading the way is a 22-team tournament style kind of way into the postseason now for those of you who are not familiar there are only 30 teams in the nba so 22 teams is completely arbitrary and it draws into question exactly why from my very first or second show i've sworn that we that the nba should do away with conferences altogether and have more of an interesting manner in terms of the, of crowning a champion. And I think this is the perfect opportunity, not saying that they have to do the things that I want them to do, but try it out. 
Like everybody at this point understands the predicament that every sport league is in. And we all are willing to, you know, shoot some bail, right? Like dog. Okay. I, we all understand that this ain't the way y'all intended it, but it does not mean that let's just throw any old thing up on the wall and see if it sticks. No. One of the reasons that the NBA, in my opinion, is so dope is that they are not afraid of change. They are not afraid to be like, you know what? That shit makes, that makes more sense. We're hearing that many owners are actually looking forward to postponing or pushing back next season to the start around Christmas or New Year's. And not only are, is that just kind of forced into play because of what happened this year, but also they're looking to see if that's just a better way for their season to go moving forward. And I think most basketball fans would agree, hell yeah, that's the best way to go moving forward. That same, the same rules should apply here. You know, a few weeks ago, they were talking about, yo, we're going to have a playing tournament. We're going to do the top, the top 16 teams, no matter conference, just the best teams are ranked in, and then we go straight to the playoffs. And I'm thinking, dog, let's, I, I'm with that, right? That's a part of, that's a part of basketball kind of flexibility that I hope they do utilize. I hope moving forward we can go with just the best 16 teams. I don't really like the fact that you have to have, you know, one conference is significantly worse than another. And it's been that way for decades now. And you basically have a first round bye if you're the number one seed in the Eastern conference, really, if you're a top two team in the Eastern conference, whereas if you're in the Western conference, you have no days off for real. But now we're talking and it looks like there's real momentum behind this 22 team end of the season and however way it, it comes like a 22 playoffs and they'll start there. And I'm just thinking to myself, that ain't it, man. And we understand why we understand why they want to get Zion in the playoffs. Damian Lillard basically called the NBA's bluff. Damian Lillard. And I agree with him. One of the best players in the league one of the biggest stars in the league, one of the more injured, he's hit one of the, he's hit two of the biggest playoff shots in the last 30 years. He's hit two elimination shots, meaning he made this shot. Not only is the game over, the series is over. He has sent two teams home. I mean, phenomenal basketball player and one of the more fun players in this league. But if you went to a 16 seed postseason, the Blazers aren't in it. And neither is Zion. So we know the NBA is trying their best to get them in it. But what you have is that you've got a bunch of other teams who don't deserve to be in the postseason, who people don't want to see as well. Like, to get to Damian Lillard, you also then have to have the Spurs. You also have to have Orlando. I'm in D.C. I know a lot of Wizards fans are kind of wrestling with this idea right now. Like, should we want to be in the playoffs? Or should we really want to have a, a better chance at a really top pick next year in this upcoming draft? But you have to get them too. Care to want to look at the ratings of the Wizards, Magic, and the Spurs? Like, how many of y'all are really trying to see that, you know, Boston or Milwaukee-Orlando series? I, like, you feel me? Like, 
come on, Joe. Like, there, I understand there's a financial position involved. They want as many teams as possible because you want as many games as possible because you want to kind of recoup as much money as you've lost as possible. But Slim, this ain't it. This ain't it, man. I, I think having a group play series would be so dope in basketball. And the thing is, when you look at, and I and I, look, this is an unscientific, you know, assumption on my part, right? I haven't done the research. I don't know the demo, I don't know the exact demographics of the NBA nationally, but it feels as if there is a younger. The NBA fan base skews younger, and we do know that as a fact because they've done kind of the age of each fan base. And the NBA, along with soccer, skews extremely young. And also, because the NBA is such a global sport, most more so than any other of the major four sports in America, there does seem to be an overlap with professional soccer, particularly big soccer in Mexico and Europe. Why not use that? Right? It just seems like such a smart idea to kind of take from what soccer does extremely well. The fun things that soccer does, even from the World Cup stance and position. It's something, the, the sports are so close that it could work. And the younger, the, the, the younger fan base is more willing to adapt. We are more willing to be like, yo, try that. We are more flexible in our thought that way. Where, you know, so many other sports are just, they just have this visceral reaction anytime there's change brought. People want to do something, ah, I don't like that. Why? Because we've always done it this way. That's not, a, that's not a reasonable response. You feel me? I think that the NBA should go with, you want to do 16 teams and you can have four group, four, t- four teams in each group. For four groups, right? So four teams in four different groups, 16 teams all together, and you play it out. You do a group session first to kind of get your legs in, and then you see. I mean, they do it with basketball in the Olympics and world team in the World Cup, right? You have group play. You then see everybody based upon how you play. It gives everyone an opportunity to kind of get their legs under themselves, and then we end it, right? And then we know who gets seated where, we know how people play, and then boom. And you do it the top 16 teams. Though, I don't need eight teams from the East and eight teams in the West. I don't want to see eight teams in the East as is. I mean, think about how phenomenal that could be. Imagine if Kevin Durant comes back, right? But but just throwing out 22 teams makes no sense. Like, why? Why 22? The 30 teams in the league. I mean, you know, if you're going to do that, then bring everybody in. It's like the argument against the 64 or 66, however many teams are in the tournament now, where it's just like, dog, y'all just bringing people in just to, just for the money and the quality of play around the first, the playing games, it's just such a joke. Like, not the quality of play, but the idea behind it. Like, you keep on trying to tiptoe for more games, for more money. Let everybody in that joint. It's not going to take that long to get my Knicks out there. <laughs> they trash. Like, you know what I'm saying? The bad teams are bad. And if you just want the extra games, then fuck it. You know what I'm talking about? I think 
And again, I want to make sure I'm perfectly clear. I understand the financial burden that all these leagues are in. So the question then becomes, how much are you willing to bend for the money? The NBA ain't going nowhere, right? They've, they walked into a, a huge salary issue, a salary cap issue at the beginning of the season, unforced error. Daryl Morey still can't really peek his head out there like that. He cost the league so much money on an un, unforced error. And they're going to be okay. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt next year, maybe for two years. But they can withstand it. Just like they can withstand this. The NBA is not going anywhere. Major League Baseball is not going anywhere. The NFL, for whatever reason, they just completely are immune to anything like this. We know they ain't going anywhere. The NHL is not going anywhere. Don't water down your product just for the last bit of cash. You understand? And if you are, fucking go hard with it. This is the chance to think of anything. Come up with something that is going to keep us engaged. Bro, we do not need to see Orlando versus San Antonio. I don't need to see the Lakers play the Pelicans. I know everybody will salivate over, oh my gosh, LeBron and Zion in the playoff series. Bro, we're going to be okay if Zion's not playing in the playoffs. We're going to be okay if Damian Lillard is not eliminating a team, is not making Paul George's life a living hell this year. We okay. Like how? I mean, so many people get so riled up with these first round series. A lot of y'all Bamas don't even watch the first round for real. We're going to talk about kind of the fan reaction to finally getting what they say they want or what we say we want, I should say, in the fourth quarter. But I do hope that the NBA thinks this through. And I know at this point it feels as if it's a foregone conclusion that the 22-game season will happen, in fact. But I just hope somebody there, that all of these decisions are not just purely based on money. And I know I sound naive because, of course, they are. But hopefully at some point, someone is like, okay, hold on. Like, do we really want to do this? And I also hope someone else is thinking of the future because this could be a blessing in disguise. Yo, sometimes you got to eat an L. We're all eating an L, an L right now. However, we could flip it if you have the foresight. Let's not be my, uh, you know, myopic here because this is an opportunity if the NBA allows itself to go through it. And having a 22-team playoff, that shit don't even make sense to me. And that's not the opportunity that we need to be thinking about right now. All right, guys, you heard the horn. And, of course, that means it is halftime this week. But before we get to halftime, some stoppage time here on the Quarterly Report. For those of you who are listening for the first time, stoppage time is basically an opportunity where you all get to ask me a question about something that you may have heard. Something that you may have heard me say in the earlier podcast or a question that you just want to hear from me off rip, right? Something that I may not have talked about that has piqued your interest. And this week, my question comes from Keisha. She's from Largo. Shout out to Largo. You know what I'm talking about? I used to live out there for, man, 15 years now, Joe. So shout out to them. And she emails me asking, what are my thoughts on the revelation that Michael Jordan lied during the last dance. And this is so funny. Shout out. First off, thank you, Keisha, for your email. It's so funny, man, because, again, this happened. It's, man, it feels like the, this past week feels like it's been three weeks. So this this came out the early part of the week before all this other stuff popped off. Or maybe around the time all this stuff popped off. But I don't know. And for those of you who are unaware, it, 
it's so funny because I've been talking about the last dance for the last month, it feels like, on the show in some ways. And my whole argument was, bro, this is not journalism. And I'm uncomfortable with the fact that so many people are using the last dance as a source of reference. Like this is kind of a resource on Michael Jordan's legacy. I have no problem with Michael Jordan. And I have no problem with the fact that Michael Jordan is green lighting his own documentary. This is just going to be the start of something new. Almost any athlete who's worth the damn is going to do this moving forward. As someone before COVID-19 started, I was actually working on a documentary. I'm not going to say what, the, what, what which organization, um, because, you know, I'm not a full-time employee of said organization and the doc, but my documentary was picked up and, you know, we were working on it and very excited about, you know, where we're going. So I'm, I'm super fascinated on kind of the credibility, the integrity of documenting history and although it's sports right we can kind of dismiss that a lot of people dismiss what kenny burns said who's probably the greatest i don't even think probably is true the greatest uh historical documentary that we have particularly as it pertains to sports but he also has done phenomenal pieces other where vietnam obviously for those of you who are aware and he was like yo this isn't journalism when he was talking about the last dance because the main subject right of the documentary Michael Jordan he's part of the production of it and so many people just shrug that joint off like hey well, yeah but you have to do what you have to do to get Jordan right a part of this he has all this footage he bought like all of this stuff belongs to him you kind of had to play the game to get this aired so whatever and so many people were just so cavalier about the fact that Michael Jordan is part of the production company part of producing this the series if you will and that joint rubbed me the wrong way the moment I found out that he had final say. And though, although everybody, part of that team, the director, producer was like, nah, he never told us what we had or we couldn't use this and that third. You could just tell in, in the way that was produced that, was like, okay, this is propaganda. And then it comes out that these bombers, not these bombers, Michael Jordan in the, in the 10-part series says that he did not keep Isaiah Thomas off the dream team. And literally a week after the final episode, it comes out that in 2011, Michael Jordan himself is called on a podcast saying that he was like, yo, if Isaiah's on the team, I'm not coming on the team, which effectively means he's keeping Isaiah Thomas off the dream team. Now, again, I don't have a problem with anything that Michael Jordan has said or did say, right? He, in 1990, if you were not alive, if you weren't outside, if you weren't aware of Jordan in the 90s, it's hard to really put or paint a picture because sports now is so different. Everything is so, you know, separated, if you will. Michael Jordan was that dude in the 90s. He had the power and he he yielded it, right? I'm not even mad at him for it. If he didn't want to play with Isaiah, he flexed and he had that right to do so. But why are you lying about it in your own documentary? And more so, if you are a part of the production company, why are you allowing him to lie without checking it? That remove everything else. That is the, the main issue that I always had. If you are not going to check the subject of your documentary, then what are we doing? If you are allowing him, Car Blanche, to say whatever without, you know, the 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 fire of truth to keep him in line, 
then what are we doing? It's propaganda to the fullest extent. I don't care how much power he yields. Like, think about it, right? If you're saying, man, he had all this power, we have to do what we have to do to get it. Like, play that out. Take it out of the sports arena. Think of the most powerful person in the world right now. And imagine, because there will be people who want to document this history. Trust, we all know. Imagine that person having the power to, like, yo, withhold information, withhold footage. And people couch it and be like, yeah, okay, well, that's fine. We had to do what we had to do to get him, you know, green light all this. We had to get him to green light this so we could run this footage. Are you then willing to, to like, short change and cut corners on that to provide the entertainment value? And again, I understand sports is different. I get that. It's not necessarily as serious as the most powerful person in this country. It's not it's not really a matter of necessity. It's not it's not anywhere close. I mean, they are different. News obviously is more paramount than sports. But imagine this. If you're telling me because something is sports, you're willing to cut the corners. Then how am I to trust anything else that you do? If you're willing to cut corners here, how am I supposed to believe you didn't cut corners there? You feel me? So, Keisha, thank you for your question, man. My reaction is I I don't even know if I can believe or trust anything that I saw with the last dance that I didn't know for a fact. Like, all of that stuff was cool. From an entertainment standpoint, dog, four stars, right? Five stars, whatever the the maximum number of stars you can get, A+, A1. But from a credibility standpoint, from an integrity standpoint, oh, my God. Nah, man, that shit might as well have been Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Joe. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, dog, they had footage of Phil Jackson coaching in Puerto Rico in the, in the 70s. <laughs> you feel me? Don't tell me that they couldn't have accessed an audio podcast from 2011. Stop it. So then you have to ask yourself, why? Why is Michael Jordan lying? Why didn't the production team fight for that piece of audio? And if you have an answer, or if you even if you don't, you come to the conclusion that many of us came to well before this piece of evidence was even, you know, introduced, if you will. The moment we knew Michael Jordan had any power, any sway on this uh, 10-part series, we knew, like, this is all foul. So ask yourself, why didn't they introduce that audio clip when Michael Jordan said that he had nothing to do with Isaiah Thomas not making it? And it then becomes quite clear. But again, Keisha, thank you so much for your question. Again, I want to hear from you all, man. Anytime y'all have something to say, anytime y'all have a question that I may have said, whether it's about the protest, whether it's about the NBA playoffs or anything in between, hit me up, man. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show. Again, we spell quarterly here, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. All right, so it's time for halftime this weekend. And this week, I wanted to kind of focus in on what the black experience is. You feel me? Like, it's been a rough week, but don't get it twisted. It's always rough. You are always living with something like this in your mind, in your heart, right? 
It, it reminds me of the famous James Baldwin quote, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. That's the truest shit ever. So this week, I want to go into the, the mind, the psyche of all black people, all African Americans, and to kind of shine a light and let y'all know, bro, this week, we don't have zero fucks to give. Take a listen. Hello, black people. This is your central nervous system. Despite centuries of racism and wrongdoing, you still have an unlimited number of fucks to give. Be safe. Thousands gathered at the intersection where 46-year-old George Floyd was choked by a cop digging in with his knee. Breonna Taylor's family is suing three Louisville police officers after the 26-year-old woman was shot and killed in her apartment. We report again tonight on the fatal shooting of Ahmaud Arbery. This case is perhaps a, a sign of the times because so much was caught on tape, including the killing itself. Well, damn. Just like that, you only have eight fucks left. It is imperative that you find something to replenish your energy. Just in case Instagram goes down, we promise we come back. We will be here. We ain't got nowhere to go. We quarantined. Ain't nowhere to go. So we here with you. Now, this next song I'm going to play for you, you're not going to know this song if you're not a day one with Kirk. You got to be a day one. You don't know this song if your grandmama don't have peppermints wrapped up in a piece of toilet paper in her purse. This is my first song ever wrote. Let's go. Ah, there you go. Won't the Lord always do it? You now have 10,000 bucks to give. Who is this texting me? Damn. Susan, from work? The fuck you want? Hi, Armand. Sorry for the late text, but with everything going on right now, I started examining my part in systemic racism and how I have benefited from white privilege. Oh, God. I'm so sorry this is all going on, and I want to know how to better check myself and my family for racism. Do you mind doing an IG live with me? I think we can really work together to unite the What the fuck? Warning. You have zero fucks left. Warning. You have zero fucks left. I can't begin to tell you all how exhausting that is. And look, I understand that many of you all are well-intentioned and you do genuinely want to know how to help or how to change. And, and like, for real... That joint means a lot. It truly does. But you don't go to the person whose house is burning and be like, yo, what should I do to make sure my house stops starting fires? Right? Like, if you want to help, dog, you got to get in the fire with me. And you also have to know that like, sometimes we not really trying to walk y'all through this. Like, there's a time and place. We've been trying to, to, to fight for allyship for so long. And look, a lot of people have been there. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people have been wanting and fighting beside us since before I was even born. So make no mistake, I'm not trying to demean or discredit anyone's well intentions or anyone's past uh, allies. You know what I mean? Like for real. But you also have to understand time and place. So many people that I know 
on Sunday were talking to me like, man, I do not want to go to work on Monday. People who actually still have to go into the office because they didn't want to have to then be bombarded with a lot of white people saying, yo, I feel so bad. What do you need? Like, you got to let people kind of heal. You got to let people mourn, whatever it is, grieve, however people do it. And sometimes we not going to be able to talk you through your own issues. You got to let us do our thing right now because we've been trying for so long to be like, hey, man, let's let's help. This is what I need from you all. I wish you could do this. You can you can hire more of us. You can listen to our voices. You can respect what our opinions are on this matter. You can talk to you don't know how many times I've had conversations with white people talking about like they racist uncles and they racist grandmas and why they, they really can't stand going to Thanksgiving dinner and stuff like that. And I'm just like, dog. Check the motherfuckers. I've been, I've had that conversation so many times. And I also want to shout out my, my, my super close white friends out there, man, because there've been a lot of white people over the last week. And I, and I know this because a lot of my friends, black friends, uh, and family members have been t sharing the same stories of how a lot of people that they work with or former colleagues, and maybe people that, you know, they, they are cool with, but not necessarily friends with. And they've been texting and sending DMs and all this other stuff, kind of, you know, voicing, you know, their displeasure with the moment and asking how they can help. And that's cool. I don't want to make people think that that's wrong. That's dope that you are doing it. But I want to shout out my friends who, who they don't need to make those specific, almost strategic texts because I've had conversations with them throughout our friendship. You know, like you don't need to make the gesture if you are always there. And I want to salute those of y'all, man. Like one of my best friends, shout out to my guy, Ian, man. Talk to him all the time, man. He, he didn't have to reach out to me and my homeboys. We were on a group text. He didn't have to because he been there. You know what I'm saying? And you get there because you don't wait for this to happen to talk. You don't wait for these type of moments to happen before you listen and ask and, and, and you know what i'm saying like we are not just sounding board we going through this too we've been going through this you know it's so funny man like dog black people we don't want much we don't ask for much slim we don't really be asking for much really how many times if you've ever been around a black person for more than two days if you black person if you black right now you know what i'm talking about how many times have you heard variations of this Man, I hope they don't fuck with me. Man, they better not fuck with me today. Slim, you better stop fucking with me. Dog, why you fucking with me right now? You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. We just don't want any. We just want to be left alone. Leave us alone, dog. We want the American dream just like everybody else. We want to we go to work. We want to earn our way. We want to take pride in what we do. We want to provide for our family, stay healthy, and pass and make sure our next generation has it better than we do. That's what everybody wants. But we just want to be left alone while we do it. We don't want all this shit. You know what I'm saying? Many times a cop just gets behind you. They don't even turn their lights on. They get like, oh, they just get behind you while you're driving. Oh, shit. What this motherfucker want? Dog, I don't even. It's just I will be driving below the steep speed limit. I don't have, I don't, you know, don't ever break any laws. Nothing. I have nothing to worry about. But anytime a cop just gets behind me. Dog, I stopped. I was just like weird with it. 
and every black person is the same. We just don't want to be fucked with. That's it. Just leave us the fuck alone. And we be straight. You know, it's an old African proverb that don't fuck with us. Just stop. We don't ask for much, Joe. And now, you know, we got to deal with all this other stuff on top of the fact that COVID-19 affects us disproportionately. On top of the fact that unemployment is surging and unfortunately that too affects us disproportionately and now we got to deal with our age-old friend racism dog we don't have time all the time to talk about you and how you feeling right now bro tighten up you know what i'm saying it's uncomfortable it's what it is dog either you gonna ride with us or you not and if you are be prepared to be uncomfortable, but be prepared to carry your own weight sometimes, dog. We can't be there for you every day trying to walk in and hold your hand through this shit. We've been trying to tell you. And I don't know why this one is the one that opened everybody's eyes, but I'm glad you're here. But the first rule is, Slim, we not here on your every waiting beck and call. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to handle your shit real quick. Hopefully, you guys enjoy that. Hopefully, I, you know, some laughs also made you think. You know what I'm saying? But the first half is in the books, right? We have made our halftime adjustments, and we are back, ready to finish the show up strong. And we start the second half of the show with our special guest making her second appearance on the Quarterly Report, host of the About Nothing But Sports podcast, Miss Ashley Baker. All right, guys, joining me this week, uh, making her second appearance on the show, Ashley Baker from the About Nothing But Sports podcast. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, you know, I talked about it earlier in the show. It's kind of wild. It's been a crazy week. You know what I'm saying? We all kind of have to deal with it however best suited for, you know, everybody to to cope or whatever. But I wanted to start our conversation this week kind of with something that I've used to kind of cope with all this even before like the the protests and things like that but even just during the quarantine man i thought the versus battles were like just a super dope idea and as they've co- continued to progress they've had a few hiccups here and there but overall man like one of the best things about this quarantine life has been kind of like checking in and, and, and like the communal atmosphere of like talking with people as we watch these battles so first off i kind of want to hear your thoughts on the versus battles Particularly, which ones have you enjoyed the most before we actually start getting at it? So uh, I'm with you on just the versus battles certainly being uh, almost a breath of fresh air uh, in the midst of everything that is going on. And, you know, it's definitely I know for me, you know, they they seem to kind of be on weekends. So it's like giving me something to look forward to during the weekend and I'm like, you know, oh, I'm going to make dinner and right, I'm right. going to have my glass of wine and I'm going to be sitting watching the verses right. ready to jam. Um, so that's what it's done for me. It's almost like, okay, I'm going to a concert this weekend and I'm like, you know what I mean? That's what yeah, so that's, been, sure. that's just been amazing. I'm so happy that they came up with the idea with the concept of, of doing those battles and, you know, because it's been great for the culture for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, especially when things started, it was like, all right, man, what are we supposed to do for real? Yeah. You know what I mean? They shut down everything. Like at first, it was like no movies, no no games. They shut down the the conference tournaments and college basketball. So it was just like, dog, what what are we really supposed to do? 
And it's something that's so simple as like, yo, let's just get two legendary musicians and just kind of go back and forth and just to kind of see how it was developed over time, over a short period of time, really, when you think about it. Yep. It really is crazy. Like, they, they're doing such huge numbers. I just think it's super dope that a lot of people who probably wouldn't otherwise know how, how great a lot of these artists are, that we able to give them these flowers during this time. You know what I mean? And and shout out to um, DJ D-Nice, because I want to say, as far as us hearing yeah. music over Instagram and vibing like that, it really started with started, him. Yeah, for he sure. started playing the music, you know, I want to say that weekend. Up, right. you know, when when all when the when the stuff hit the fan the weekend of, I mean, and I'm, always, yeah. I'm I only know about the week because I actually moved into my my new place the week that everything like decided to like shut down, and that was the week of like March 11th, right. and right. so that that weekend, you know, D Nice got on and it was, it was all going hard too. Yeah, it was all the celebrities in the comments, and I think he had like 150 thousand people in his comment. I mean, you know, watching, and so he kind of set the set the standard. Yeah, set the bar, sure. and then after that, you know, the versus battle started rolling in. So it was, it was right on time, man. Our people always looking out for our people, and so that yeah. was, that was super dope. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guest this week, Ashley Baker. Make sure you follow her on Twitter. She's at Ashley Baker underscore twenty one, the host of About Nothing But Sports podcast. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review as well on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, wherever else you listen to pods. All right, so you know now that we got the pleasantries out the way, you know, somebody like let's it's time to get to it, Joe. Last, I guess it was, it was Monday, right? Monday or I don't know. It feels it was like Monday, it was Memorial Monday. Day. You talking yeah. about the last one, yeah. So you know they had the one twelve, uh, jagged ass joint was probably among the worst that they've had so far. All types of issues, mm-hmm. and I think we we really could jive it like, yo, shout out to jagged ass. No disrespect to anybody, but they ain't really they don't really had like the death to be doing something like that. But afterwards, Batman was talking like, yo, here's some ideas that we should have, bong, bong, bong. And, and then the idea of like, yo, who's the best R&B versus battle to have? What would that be? Now, you know, I'm older than you. You know what I'm talking about? I'm 37. So, you know, Jodeci to me. Yeah, yeah. they they the ones for me. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm looking through the timeline, and I see that you said something crazy. It's like, yo, <laughs> Drew Hill is the best R&B group of all time. So I know, you know, it was the holiday weekend, whatever, whatever. People was having fun. Maybe you had a little drink. So I'm giving oh. you opportunity. I'll give you opportunity. You know what I'm wow. saying? If, if you want to walk that back, you understand? This is a safe space. We're not going to hold it against you. So when it comes to a potential R&B classic battle, I'm not even going to name any names. You know feel me? Who would you like to see, and who do you think would ultimately take the top spot? Well, first of all, I'm not backpedaling on what I said. <laughs> um, I, you know, you know me. You know, I'm not backpedaling on nothing. I'm trying to hold you down right now. That's no, all I'm no, trying to I'm say. Not, I'm not backpedaling. <laughs> okay. Deal. Okay. People, Drew Hill is—they're heavily slept on, man. And I, I don't know if you saw it, but I had to post some receipts because I did. I, did. Um, I, I had I have a I have a friend who re- retweeted. Um, what I had said, and his entire like group of followers, like a lot of them, start coming at my neck a little bit. And when I feel threatened, <laughs> look, I gotta drop some receipts. So when we talk about these versus battles, we're talking hit for hits. If you watch the Jagged Edge and Drew, um 112 battle from last Monday, right? You know, every time a song played, you would hear somebody say that was a number one, right? That was that was a hit, right? Like they yeah, they yeah. they really mean that. It's really hit for hit. 
um, songs that landed on the billboard, songs that landed at decent spots on the billboard when we're talking about hits for hits. So um, that I bought, I pulled up billboard. I decided to go and look up, you know, Jodeci and I decided to look up Drew Hill and I posted receipts. Uh, and, and, and that wasn't, listen, I love Jodeci. Uh-huh. Um, and I love Drew Hill too. And that wasn't to cast a negative light on Jodeci. That was for people to stop sleeping on Drew Hill. They have the 14 of their records that hit Billboard. 10 were in the top eight or nine of them actually were in the top 10. That is major. And they had like three or four number ones. That's huge. I'm with so I, just, you. I just wanted people to kind of respect the Drew Hill a little bit. Like now they may not, who's to say on popular opinion or, you know, general popular opinion, they might not necessarily win a battle against um, Jodeci, but let's not act like they're not in the same conversation because they are. I think I, I will say this. I will give you credit to this because I, I rock with Drew Hill too. And like uh, that era of like, once you got past the early nineties stuff, you know what I'm talking about? Like Tony, 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 Jodeci, oh, mm. like once you got past that, like that yeah. kind of mid to late nineties one of R and B groups, Drew Hill is the best of them. Like I thought they should have went up against One Twelve over Jagged Edge. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. I, I guess if you wanted to do an Atlanta thing, that makes sense. But like I'm with you, Drew Hill is slept on. But you know, like you right when you come up with the receipts, but then you think about Jodeci could then pull out all the pop, all the Tupac songs. You know what I'm saying? They can pull out All My Life. It's just like yo. Them dudes is different, you know what I'm talking about? And I just think I like Drew Hill. I think they have their own kind of era that they could dominate. But when it comes to that early 90s run, I think that, you know, their arms may be a little bit too short to box a guy, you know what I'm talking about? Man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if, if I had to, I don't know, man. I, I mean, you know I me, mean? we can always agree to disagree. Agreed. Look at you, you know, kind of diplomatic. Okay. Listen, I, we can always agree to disagree, disagree, but I'm a 90s girl, period. You know, okay. I love 90s R&B. For sure. From sure. Late, late 80s, early, the, the entire 90s R&B. That is my era. I will listen to that over anything, oh seriously. Yeah. Oh um, And so, for me, um, I just can't, they're just, I just don't want people to dismiss Drew Hill. Like, people right. were, like, laughing as if, uh-huh, they can't even sit in, in, in the presence of Joe DeSantis. I'm like, y'all are tripping. I had somebody say to me, uh, well, you posted these receipts, um, and without Jodeci, there would be no Drew Hill. And I'm like, okay, girl, and without Earth, Wind, and Fire, there would be no Jodeci. So what conversation are we really having here? Like, yeah. come on, we're not even talking I'm, about that. That must sound crazy sometimes when, you know what I mean? Like, they be making up excuses and arguments that don't even make sense. So I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you right, on that. Right, right. Like, come on, everybody came before somebody and, and right. you know, paved the way. So... But, um, yeah, I mean, if I had to, I know you asked me um, the, the second part of the question, who do I think, who would I love to see? I, I most certainly would love to see Jodeci and Drew Hill. Right. Um, I feel like um, I, I, was, I was considering New Edition mm. against somebody. Right. But New Edition just, that, that, they're That's a cheat code. They're yeah, a cheat code. All really... of them then branched out. It's like you couldn't, you couldn't even really... I don't even know who who could go with New Edition. For I, real. I don't know. I really don't know who could go against New Edition. Um, you would have to. I don't know. But I think as of right now, today, if I had a, a choice of a versus today, I would want to see Tony, 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 and Mint Condition. Mm, that's tough too because you know I don't want to stay on this too long, but that's tough too because Raphael Sadiq got his own. Like you could just do Tony, Tony, Tony stuff, and he's like, "Yo, that's a that's a dope battle." And then when Raphael Sadiq branches off. 
you're like, dog, he got like 30 more songs that he can go to. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. That would that would be a dope one. That's back I would on. love that. So yeah. and and I, and to be honest, I can't answer the other part of your question of who would win, right? Because Mint Condition and Tony Tony, I mean, they just oh that's my god, tough. that's legend. It's just too that's tough. a dope one. That's a super that's, dope. That, one. that was that's a dope one. Yeah. So I would love to see that. Yep. Once again, guys, I'm joined by a friend of the program, Ashley Baker. Make sure you follow her on Twitter. She's at Ashley Baker underscore twenty one. She is the host of the About Nothing But Sports podcast. Make sure you guys download, check it out, man. Really fun podcast on all your podcast listening platforms all right so you know way to start off with that one because you know again this week has been super heavy and you know on sunday you know they're going to do a new one with um kirk franklin you know just try to lift the spirits of people you know what i'm talking about uh but this is a sports podcast so let's get into kind of like the the on the field on the court topics absolutely um the nba you know they were like the first sports entity to really have to deal with the coronavirus back in March. They they basically, like, people really understood how severe it was, at least in America, when the NBA shut everything down. And that's when I think people were like, yo, this thing is, like, really, really serious. But now, here we are, about to be June. They are now talking about revving up and starting their season again. And this has led to all types of discussions about should they just go straight to the playoffs? Should they do the best 16 teams? Should they do the best eight teams from each conference or even do like a group play? They also now have been talking about having the best 20 teams in part to kind of have Zion and Damian Lillard, two of the biggest stars in the league, participate. If you were Adam Silver, if this was completely up to you, Ashley, how would you envision the NBA restarting their their season, particularly how they would do a, po- a postseason? I want you to clarify something for me. Okay. 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 Um, I know you said because I'm uh, this this information coming out is is new. Yes. Um. So, I know you said the top twenty. So we would right. be talking about obviously ten per conference. See, they'll. So what they're saying is when the top twenty, they're saying just the top twenty teams in the league. So it wouldn't be ten. Oh, 10. so it's not per conference. Right. Right. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. See, that's that's what I didn't know. I, I thought that it was 10, 10 per conference. Yeah. Um, well, then, uh, okay. Uh, but but if you wanted to do 10 for 10, like, think of it like you have a completely clean slate. However, like, whatever it is that you think is the best way moving forward, maybe you do think 10 per 10, 10 conference, 10 teams per conference is the best way. Like, like don't, don't think that you have to be tied to anything that's already been suggested. If this is right. up to you, like how right. would you right. think is the best way to move forward? Um, I, honestly, I would probably just roll with the 16 teams. Right. Um, whichever teams are sitting in those eight seeds. And I don't believe that anybody is like tied for an eight seed or anything right. like that. Right. Um, so it would be just those eight teams and, and uh, each conference. And that is my, um, first of all, I'm, I'm a mom. Right. Um, so I'm immediately in mommy mode. The first, for sure, for sure, is safety and making sure that everybody is okay. And I just feel like obviously the less bodies, for sure, you know, is is less. I mean, the risk is still crazy high, but you cut the risk just a tad, and sometimes right. just a tad saves lives or saves individuals from being diagnosed with this virus or whatever. Right. Um, you know, so I would roll with the first eight. 
and um, of each conference. So that brings it to 16. I mean, it, it would just start off like the playoffs would regularly start off. Um, I would love, I think that they are going to go ahead and do it in Disney World. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you bring everybody there, you quarantine for two weeks. I'm talking emergency services, food individuals, your families, the players, referees, announcers, you know, um, yeah. media, everybody that's going to be involved, um, obviously with approval from the league. They, they would go down, everybody would quarantine for two weeks, and then I feel like, um, you know, I, I think that they should, I think that they would, I think, what is it, like, maybe, I'm thinking maybe one or two different locations where the games would be played, and obviously right. because it's so many games happening at once, especially if we're jumping right into playoffs, right. Um, you know, that the teams would have to go, what, three, maybe three or four days in between. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's that's just what you know. I've, I, of course, I've thought this to myself. But if I if I had it, sure. to say this, so that's that's how I would go about it. But I just feel like the less people, the better. Um, unfortunately, this is a you know an unprecedented circumstance. Right. So uh, you know, you know, Dame Lillard. I talked about this on my show this past week. You know, Dame ain't trying to. Like, no, like you said, they they're thinking about doing the top twenty so that you'd have Dame and Zion and everybody in. Um, but let's just say if we go with my idea, you know, people like Dame, they ain't trying to be, ain't you know, right. working out, doing all that, just to be on a bench and fall, be able, folks be away from their family and all that. So they certainly shouldn't bring the entire league down there. That's just out of the question. For what? Why is, why is Steph and the Warriors going down the right. world? Come on, they've been out of the conversation. Um, so I would do it like that. I would roll with the, the 16 and play it out. Play, yeah. it, like, play it out like um, like uh a, a regular playoffs. A regular also, post- what you don't want to do, it's already going to happen because they're talking about the 31st of July being the target date. But yeah. you, you, you crossing lines with the NFL. Yeah, for and sure. So you, the, the, the more teams you bring in, that's going to mean more games. That's going to be mean more time. You, you cross, and that's dangerous territory to be, right. you know, um, somebody's going to get out. You right. know what I mean? They, for you to, people are going to want to watch football. And then you have people that would want to watch I mean, deep season basketball. We're talking about the playoffs being around. We're talking about possibly the the Western and Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals being the same week or two that the football season starts. Yeah, ah, yeah. that's 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 territory that you don't want to get in because somebody's gonna lose out. Right, so, right. I figured the less teams there, you know, you kind of yeah, you you make an inter- you make an interesting point because like for me at least as a sports fan, I think like too many leagues water down their product by trying to have too many teams in. The NBA already has more than half of the teams who play make the playoffs. You know, there's 16 playoff spots. There are only 30 teams. It's just too much. I think, like, they could use this as a opportunity to kind of restack and reshuffle the, the, the postseason and, and to really crown a champion. And also, like, I don't even know if you, like, need – a full 16 team. I think like if they were to do like a play-in tournament, like have the, you know, the eighth seed, the seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th seed in each conference, right? So like a four team kind of play-in and then whoever wins that you go straight basically into like a, a, a second round series almost, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Right. Like, like I don't need to see, like, I understand people want to see Zion. Shit, I want to see Zion, you know what I'm saying? But like, I don't also then want to see the Spurs. You feel me? Like, I don't exactly. want to see Orlando. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, we, we live in D.C. I don't need to see the Wizards in the playoffs. You know what well, I mean? here's the thing. If they roll with those top 20 teams, I think the Wizards make the cut. That's what I'm saying. Like, 
So you I would know. actually, so that part, I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, you know, back and forth, uh, especially now, listen, it would make for good basketball because now you're talking, you know, if I, I what, what, where are the Brooklyn Nets standing? See, that's the thing. Yeah. If, if KD, now we're talking possibly back. if KD, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, I don't think Kyrie is even in a position to come back. He wasn't in a position to come back until like next year. Mm, okay. So, but you, but then you got somebody like Bradley Bill who would have John Wall uh, back. Uh, right, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I get it. And golly, we have not had sports. We have, we need it. <laughs> we really do. We really do need it. Um, but. I, you you tripping? You don't need to see the Wizards with Bradley Bill and John Wall back. I don't need to, I don't need to see the, I don't need to see the Wizards because okay. look, okay. I, I I'm like I would love to see them for like personal reasons, but I don't think they're beating anybody. Like I think for them, get John all the way back. You know what I'm saying? And then don't just throw him out in the playoff setting. You know what I'm saying? Like right, true. Do, do it do it do it slow. You know what I mean? So it would be fun, but at the same time. You got to do risk-reward, at least in my opinion. You feel me? Okay, that's fair. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Ashley Baker. Make sure you follow her on Twitter. She's at AshleyBaker underscore 21, the host of the About Nothing But Sports podcast. All right, so Ashley, this is going to be my final question to you. Um, <laughs> I know you're a Cowboys fan. You you wear that, you wear that star on your sleeve, and I, and I appreciate <laughs> you for riding hard for your squad. Um, it's interesting, though, because every year, at least for like the past – three, four years. It feels like so many people, the, the quote-unquote experts, are saying, yo, wow, the Cowboys legit have a shot to win the Super Bowl. They're legit championship contenders. And it feels that they are this way still currently. But it's crazy when you hear that and then you hear how people always say quarterbacks, you can't win this league without a quarterback. You guys have an extremely successful a quarterback, I think the last time we talked, I did not completely appreciate how good Dak was. Dak definitely shut me up. And he shut a lot of his critics up along the way. He is one of the better quarterbacks in this league. You very rarely, though, see a quarterback who is on a team who is considered a championship contender being tagged and being tagged despite the fact that he has shown himself to be one of the best quarterbacks. Now, depending on who you believe, there are reports that Dak wants all types of crazy money. I don't necessarily know what is true and what's not true in that regard. So I will pose it to you, someone who knows the Cowboys much more than I do. How much is too much? How important is it that Dak comes back? And how much are you willing to give him to make sure he does come back to chase that championship? You know, I'm trying to learn how to. I've, I've been asked this question a couple of times, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to learn how, as you were talking and I was listening, I'm trying to find out a way of saying it um, where it's not so long winded because it's just so many different variables to this DAC thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to start off first with just asking your question How much is too much? Um, and even that's a complicated question, dag on it, because you have so many quarterbacks whose contracts are about to be up. Right. And who are going to get these massive amount of, you know, uh, these massive uh, types of deals right. um, outside of Patrick Mahomes, who really hasn't made much noise or more noise than Dak has. Right. Um, and I love him, but let's just say, for instance, Deshaun Watson. But his contract is his rookie contract is coming to an end right. and he's going to get paid likely. So yeah. I think what's going on is these numbers that you're hearing. And for those that don't know, you know, we're hearing um, 37. 38, 40 million 40, a year that yeah. Dak is trying to get. Um, I think really he's trying to get the jump on what's coming down the pipe um, for these other players. 
for me, I feel like that forty million is too much for Dak Prescott. Mm. Um, I feel like that Dak should get in the ballpark of about thirty-five, thirty-six million dollars a year. Wow. Okay. Um, and I don't feel like that, that. Let me just say point number one. I'm gonna make three points, and I'm gonna be out your head. Point number <laughs> one. Uh, he should get paid just for being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't think people understand the amount of scrutiny, uh, the, the type of microscope that that man is under. Right. And, and, you know, he didn't pick to go to Dallas. He was drafted. Right, um, right. The, the, what he has had to carry these last five years when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, he has done it like a true professional. He, sure. you know, he is a leader. That is one thing that you can't you, you can't deny. Dak is a leader. So I think just off of those premises alone, having to deal with Jerry Jones and all that craziness down there, having to deal with freaking <laughs> Jason Garrett for the last four or five years. Oh, please. Right. The man definitely right. deserves to get paid. That's what sure. I doubt. Sure. The second point that I want to make is um, these colleagues of his or his counterparts, I'll say, uh, your Carson Wences, your Deshaun Watson, you know, these, these other guys, these Derek Cars, you know, these these kinds of guys are, are getting paid. Yep. And uh, I'm not putting out Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is going to get paid. He is just going to – he's yeah. not even in the same stratosphere. He's different. He's he yeah. different. He, he hit different. Yeah. However, um, Dak is always readily available. Right. He's always able. He's never missed a game due to injury. He has – if you look at his stats outside of the year that Zeke was out for six games, he has shown improvement if – in multiple, if not one, in multiple areas. Um, I believe last year, just based on the eye test, that one last year was probably one of his most productive and accurate right. years. Um, and that had a lot to do with John Kitna coming in and helping him with his mechanics. And, you know, uh, oh gosh, his name is escaping me. The Kellen office Moore. coordinator, Kellen, Kellen Moore, being office coordinator. That had a lot to do with that. So, I mean, just he's made progress, people. Let's not act like the demand ain't made progress. Right. The third point that I would make is that Dak Prescott, let, let me just put this out there. Dak Prescott is a fourth-round draft pick, right. okay, who has gone above and beyond what we expect a fourth-round drafted quarterback to do. Dallas didn't draft Dak under the assumption that he would be the face of the franchise. They drafted Dak to be the backup to who they believed would still be playing, which was Tony Romo. Tony Romo got hurt. Dak came in. We calling for Jerry's head if you don't make Dak the quarterback because they had such a great year. Everybody is trying to live up to this 2016 standard of Dak, and that is unfair. He is a fourth-round draft pick who had a trash head coach for the last four or five years, <laughs> the first years, who had a trash offensive coordinator whose defense just got on the ball for the last two and a half seasons. Come on, like we gotta, we gotta give the man a little bit of credit, and so that—that's my whole thing. Um, we just, so, we, 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 yeah. That, that, those are my three points. So it seems like you ride with Dak, but up to a point. Like you, you cool yes. with him, but once you start seeing that forty M's, then it starts hitting different. And you're like, okay, hold on, Slim. It, it hit a little different because <laughs> I can use those same examples for why he shouldn't get that much. You're a fourth round draft pick. You, you haven't reached your potential. How do we know that this is not a fluke? How do we know that once McCarthy and, and everybody come That's together true. this year that you still don't look mediocre like you kind of looked in your earlier years? Like, how do we know it's not? The thing about it is, is that they've kind of cleaned house. This is the year, and, and I'm actually okay. 
I'm I'm sort of okay with them tagging Dak too. It's so many different layers. I want him to get paid, but I wouldn't be mad if they tagged him because this is the year they don't have that head coach in there anymore. We still have Kellen Moore who opened up the playbook for him a lot last year. Um, and so you have so many different new parts. Let's see how you really do. And if and, and if you don't do as well as people anticipate for you to do in this fifth year, then you could possibly be the problem. Right. No, and I, now I mean, we're having a different conversation because now you damn sure shouldn't be getting, excuse my language, 30, 35, 36 a year because you're not what, you know, we, we, we expect it. And I'm all about the organization. I'm about the star. I don't play favorites when it comes to these players for the Cowboys. I just want to see the team win. If you are hindering that, you can go. No, I mean, I we all can hear the passion. You understand? We all can hear the passion. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. No, good. <laughs> Once again, y'all, this has been Ashley Baker. Make sure you follow her on Twitter. She's at AshleyBaker underscore 21, the host of the About Nothing But Sports podcast. Make sure you download, subscribe, and rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen to the podcast. Ashley, thank you so much for rocking with me this week on the Quarterly Report. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Once again, want to thank Ash for that dope interview. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it and make sure you guys check out her podcast as well. All right, guys, three quarters are now in the books, which means we are left to our final quarter this week. Here we go to wrap the show up with our fourth topic. Fourth quarter. How many Hall of Famers fighters did my Tyson actually fight? Let's see if somebody know the answer. How many Hall of Famers did my Tyson actually fight? And don't bring up no don't bring up no Mike no motherfucking Michael Spinks that came from a light heavyweight to heavyweight that was that was fucking terrified out of his motherfucking boots. And don't bring up Larry Holmes because we already know Larry was way past his prime. So how many how many of them? And you you come back with that, man. Sit your ass down. I don't even know where to begin with Deontay Wilder anymore. Matter of fact, yes I do. Let me first off. Say this, he's right. Deontay Wilder is right. Mike Tyson does not have this pristine, this phenomenal resume of fighting or even beating Hall of Fame fighters. Now, notice he wanted to discredit two of the fighters who are in the Hall of Fame who Mike did actually beat, right? Spinks and Larry Holmes. But again, he's fought four of them. Two of them beat him and beat him very badly. There is no denying that. Mike Tyson's resume is not the one that you hold up against, you know, the all-time greats and be like, hey, see? No, it's not. But the problem is, who is Deontay Wilder to talk? You say that Michael Spinks was coming up two weight classes, which is true. Now, he was scared in the middle of the ring when he saw Mike. We don't know that, but it, it seems to be true. Ask yourself this question. Would Michael Spinks beat every single person that Deontay Wilder has beat one, uh, beat in a fight? I don't think that's, I don't even think that's a question. I, the only, the only legit, and I don't want to hear anybody talk about Stavine. Dog, we saw, we know what time it was with Stavine. So, Give Wilder credit. He was world heavyweight champion. But who did he beat to get the belt? And who did he beat throughout his entire reign? He ain't won it with Vlad. He ain't won it with White. He ain't won it with Parker. 
we can question whether he actually won it with AJ, but he ain't won it bad enough. The point is, dog, who are you? If a top chef is saying, dog, you don't want to eat that Popeye's chicken, bro. You don't want to put, or a nutritionist is telling me, man, don't eat that. Don't put that in your system. I'm going to listen. All right, all right. You, you stay the point. If the bomb at McDonald's is like, man, why are you eating Popeye's, bro? Come on. I'm going to look at him and be like, you want to get the fuck about my face. And this is essentially what this is. Deontay Wilder, your resume is worse than Tyson's. I'm going to shoot him with some more bail. Apparently, this interview was done a year or so, two two years or so ago. So, you know, it's it's a bit, looking back, a bit hindsight, but no, not really, because Wilder has been fighting for longer than two years. He had the chance to fight Hall of Fame fighters in Klitschko. He could have done that. He legit could have. He didn't want to. We could all speculate and debate why that is, but... The facts remain the same. I how are you and it's 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 funny because this is odd on two different levels. Mike Tyson occupies, you know, we talked about Jordan a few um episodes ago. We talked about him early in this episode. Uh you know, Jordan occupies a certain level of nostalgia. Right? He, he he occupies a place in people's hearts and memories that as you've seen over the course of the past few weeks and even month People won't let go of that. So no matter what happens, it's protected, you know, because of nostalgia. Tyson operates the same space in many instances. You know, Mike Tyson, his resume, I mean, it speaks for itself. He he, he is viewed as the baddest man on the planet, and he's viewed as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And a lot of that is because of the, the sports boom in the late 80s and in the 90s. But Tyson's not one of the best heavyweights. He was one of the more dominating ones. He was one of the more entertaining ones and the more fascinating ones. But because he occupies that nostalgia, that 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 place in your memory, in your hearts, where, you know, you just don't ever want to, to let go of, he still, to this day, despite all of the issues inside and outside of the ring and when i mean issues i mean problematic areas of that man right he he's transitioned into like this i don't want to say lovable but i don't even know what tyson is he's transitioned into being the baddest man on the planet someone who is admitted to raping to now uh a staple of pop culture it's odd it's bizarre so in, in some instances, when I hear, you know, I listen to Wilder talk and he's and I'm like, yeah, he's right. And I don't want to skip over the fact. But, dog, the messenger is important sometimes. You know, the, the old saying is don't shoot the messenger. And I'm just kind of shooting them, you know. But sometimes, yeah, the, the, the message needs to come from maybe not the right messenger, but it can't be the wrong one. And Deontay, you dead ass wrong, bro, because you're in like Wilder has benefited from some of the residue of Mike Tyson, where as long as you are entertaining and you do things that other contemporaries cannot do and you do it in a way that's completely unique, like Deontay Wilder does not look like the other heavyweights. Mike Tyson 
did not look like. He did not move like. He did not act like. He did not talk like other heavyweights during his time. And that was all a part of the allure. Don't be, don't kid yourself. Wilder has benefited from that. So how crazy does he look like? Oh man, you know, he ain't beat anybody. When Mike Tyson's resume compared to Wilder's is phenomenal. Dog, who have you beat? Who have you beat? You feel me? Like, what, what are we doing? Deontay Wilder coming out of his mouth against anybody, anybody, let alone Mike Tyson. And then not catch heat for it. You got to be kidding me, bro. Yo, it's been a wild, weird year for Deontay. And again, shoot him some bail. This did not happen this year. He did not say this this year. It just for whatever reason kind of came up. But Lord, let's not let's not kill ourselves. Let's not play. One of the lasting images of 2020 in the sports world before Corona hit was you getting your ass whooped by Tyson Fury. The only fighter that you've been in the ring with as a professional who will be a Hall of Famer, will even sniff the Hall of Fame, and you got your ass kicked. Like, come on, brother. Understand your position. Understand your point, man, dog. It's so funny, man. I'm listening to Joe Budden's podcast, you know, like this past weekend. Maybe it was a few weekends ago. And he was talking about these versus battles. And we talked about the versus battles a little bit. And he was saying, yo, these versus battles are like a, a, a reality check for a lot of these artists. Where they think that their catalog is like that. And then, you know, when they want to go head to head with somebody, he's like, hold, hold on to them. You're not, those waters too deep. Deontay Wilder clearly when he did his interview was feeling himself because he beat Chris Ariola. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, bruh, you had this long knockout streak and congratulations. You know, like I'm, I can't take that away from you. It is definitely an accomplishment, but you was knocking out guys who, who go eight rounds. You was knocking out guys who would never sniff sniff a, a a a top ranking in any division let alone heavyweight you you was knocking out dudes who who really don't even belong in a, in a professional ring for real and that's how you built your kind of lasting impression in the sports world of being this menace in the baddest man no you never was and we saw it you blaming your walk-in attire on your dead legs dog stop it Stop it, brother. Like sometimes you can have the right message, but be the wrong messenger. We've all dealt with that in our personal lives. Sometimes somebody gives you advice and you may not take it just because you see what they do and you're like, dog, don't talk to me. Like, who who are you? Mike Tyson. If we want to have the conversation about Mike Tyson's resume, bomb. We can have it. But Deontay Wilder, before you start talking about anybody else's. Look at your own, bro. And while you do that, anger man, holla at him. Give him some advice. Man, sit your ass down. Sit your motherfucking ass down. Well, that was a lot. A lot to digest. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the show this week. Hopefully, you know, if you if you come to this podcast for an escape, hopefully I was able to provide some of it for you. If you come to this podcast for a sports talk, I know... We ain't do a lot of sports talk this this pod, but man, it was important for me to kind of get that off my chest. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully 
got you to laugh a few times, maybe even got you to think, whatever the case may be, I appreciate each and every one of you all for rocking with me for, damn man, close to two hours this week. I also want to thank my guest, Ashley Baker. Make sure you download and subscribe the About Nothing But Sports podcast. Shout out to her and shout out to each and every one of you all as well. I will see you guys right back here next Tuesday for the quarterly report.